Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Recent Gallup polls are revealing a decline in the number of people in this country who identify with any type of religion. They say they're spiritual, just not religious. How does that make you feel? Perhaps, listener, you're being tempted to dump your church affiliation as well. Should you? Dr. Jennings joins us today via Skype to help us determine if religion is a good thing or not. Take it away, Dr. J. So when you use the term religion, it really depends on what definition you assign the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, same word can have legitimately more than one definition. Mm-hmm. And if you look up the, the definition of religion in the dictionary, the two operational ones, and, and you're identifying in your question, rightly so, and we need to break this out, the second definition, the second definition of the dictionary is a specific set of beliefs and practices generally agreed upon by a, a persons or sects, right. like the Christian religion or the Buddhist religion right. and so forth. Right. It's a systematic organ or institutionalized set of beliefs. And that question we need to unpack in this program today as well. But the first definition is a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, especially when considered as the creation of a superhuman agency or agencies, usually involving devotion and ritual and and a moral code on how we conduct ourselves. Mm -hmm. That may not be codified, and what I've identified in my studies are something I call the law of worship. The law of worship is a principle in the Bible, it's described as by beholding we become changed. In psychiatry and psychology, it's described as modeling. Mm -hmm. And we are constructed as intelligent human beings that we become like whatever it is we admire and worship. So the principle of worship is a looking outside of oneself for a frame of orientation that gives your life meaning and direction and purpose. And so every human being worships something. That's true. It may not be associated with a religious organization. It may not be called God, but everyone worships. Some worship the scientific method, the scientific method of the strongest surviving or evolutionary theory. Okay, evolutionary theory is a form of religion or belief system upon which people will stake their existence and through which they filter their understanding of facts and data, and it's a frame of orientation that gives their life direction and purpose. And so everyone worships and everyone has a belief system and everyone has their own religion, which is their frame of orientation that they organize the world around them through. Mm -hmm. And so the question that you asked To me, it applies to all people. Now, the next question is, does it need to be organized and institutionalized, Mm -hmm. and must you identify with a certain denomination or not? Well, salvation is not found, if we talk to Christian worldview, salvation is not found in organizational affiliation. You will not find that anywhere in Scripture. You must join this organization, this church denomination, in order to find salvation. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And salvation is, as the Bible metaphors describe it, uh, having a new heart and right spirit, being reborn, having the law of God written in the heart, having circumcision of the heart by the spirit. In other words, salvation is taking someone who has a defective mode of operating inside themselves, which is alien to God and doesn't trust God, and removing those alien operations and, and uh, rebellious operations and restoring into that person love and trust where they're reunited in harmony with God. Mm-hmm. 
That's what the process of salvation is. That happens through changing what a person thinks or believes, and that's why it happens through faith. By grace, God's grace, through faith. Faith is another way of saying through belief, through what you believe. Do you believe God is good, or do you believe God is bad? Do you believe God exists, or do you believe he doesn't exist? Mm -hmm. And through the things you believe, it determines uh, who you trust, and do you put your trust in God, and that will result in whether you align with him, worship him, adore him, and become like him, or you align with the principles of survival of the fittest, and you become more uh, authoritarian and controlling and dominating of others to aggrandize yourself. You become like what you admire and worship. When we look at the world, I have to just assume, Dr. Jennings, that we're looking at the wrong God, the wrong kind of religion, because this is not a pleasant world. This is a good point you brought up. And this is where a lot of confusion comes in, because religions are confusing. Yes, yes. yes. Religions are confusing. According to the uh, Christian Encyclopedia, there are 19 major world religions, 19 major ones. Mm -hmm. Christianity, for instance, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, these are major world religions, 19 major ones. Those are divided into 270 smaller religious groups, and those are just subdivided into tens of thousands of smaller sects. And within Christianity, as of 2018... There are 41,000 different Christian groups all arguing that their specific way of interpreting the Bible is the right way. And this is why so many people get frustrated with religions is because they see lots of conflict and argument because the religion isn't any longer anchored oftentimes to objective reality. It becomes often political and argumentative over points that frequently don't seem to matter too much to the regular person in day-to-day living, like what are the ten horns represent on this beast, or what do the seven heads represent, or when did this happen, or, or who did that? Uh, these points have a truth to them, but oftentimes they're not very functional in people's day-to-day lives. Yeah, yeah. So what should be the approach? How do we break through this? So we offer something called integrative evidence-based approach, which takes the, the position that God, who is the creator and built reality, has given three threads of evidence which reveals that reality to us, and those three threads need to be harmonized to find the, the reality. And the three threads are Scripture itself, because God is an infinite being. We cannot, as finite beings, discover God. He reveals himself to us, and, and Scripture is one of the places he's done that. But Scripture teaches that God has also revealed himself in what he has created. His divine nature is seen in what he has made so that men are without excuse, Romans 1.20. And so we want to harmonize our understanding of Scripture with what we see in science and nature, the laws upon which reality are built to operate. And the Bible also says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Our own personal journey and life experiences teach us how reality works. God that I worship is the God of reality. He's not the God of fantasy. Mm-hmm. And thus, properly understanding Scripture will always harmonize with how reality works and the laws upon which the Creator built reality to work. When we get away from those reality-based anchors for Scripture, then we begin teaching all types of fantasy-based things that are not objective reality. And we take things in Scripture that are meant to be metaphorical, Mm -hmm. and we make them literal and make them actually superstitious or nonsensical. For instance, when Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me, he was talking metaphorical. And the flesh was represented of the Word. He was the Word made flesh, and he was the source of truth. And so he's saying, unless you eat the truth into your heart and mind, and then when you eat the truth into your heart and mind, it dispels the lies and wins you to trust. And we open the heart, we take in the blood. The Bible says the life is in the blood. So we get the life of Christ. We get new motives and new new, uh, principles to act by. 
and we're transformed by that. So it's a metaphorical description of the transforming process. Unfortunately, some people take those words literally, and then they teach things that are contrary to how reality works, that when you go and you to a certain church, and you do a certain ritual, and they put a certain wafer in your mouth, once it passes the back of your throat and enters your esophagus, it actually turns into human flesh mm-hmm. as it goes down into your stomach, mm-hmm. called transubstantiation. This is all fantasy. It is superstitious, and it undermines any thinking person's belief in God because it's silly, and it's not what Jesus meant at all. And so this is where division comes when we separate Scripture and create meanings that are decoupled from objective reality and how God made it. When you couple it to reality, then you say, oh, that can't be literal. That has to be a metaphor. Oh, what's the metaphor? And you search for the metaphor, and you go, oh, that's a beautiful metaphor. It makes wonderful sense. Dr. Jennings, if you took 10 people— in the world, any random 10 people, and you handed each of those 10 people a Bible and say, find the truth, wouldn't you end up with 10 religions at the end of that? There doesn't seem to be the ability in the human mind to come up to conclusions that are similar to someone else coming up to conclusion, even when they're reading the same Bible. So that's an assumption yes. that you've made that I would suggest has not been borne out with reality. Good. I don't know if you heard of the Pitcairn Islands. Yes. But uh, Captain Cook visited there, I believe, and, and left a Bible there. And years later, when they came back, everybody was had the same religion and the same belief systems. How hmm. did that happen? They didn't have 10 different ones. Yeah. How did that happen? Because they weren't influenced by institutional, let the Bible lead them, and they had sincere uh-huh. hearts to to. to pursue the truth. So the scripture teaches that when you study scripture with a heart to discern the truth, the Holy Spirit of truth leads us into truth, and we come to a common. And the Bible teaches there's a a unity inherent in our faith, and a unity inherent in our understanding if we have a heart that actually loves truth and wants to pursue it. The problem with much of religion is religion becomes political, and it becomes power over others, and religious organizations look at the Dark Ages church and how it became a political animal and, and sought to dominate and control rather than to uplift. And once you go down that trail, then you use the Bible to advance your own personal yes. agendas or your power over others, and then it becomes a weapon to be used against people, not a, a revelation of God to lead us into truth. But when we have the humble heart led by the Spirit, there's a unity of faith that comes. So you forgave that Bible to ten humble-hearted truth-seeking individuals, you would probably end up with the same religion. Yes, in this sense, you would end up with the same principles being practiced. And, okay. the, and the big principles are they would all love truth. Yeah. They would all accept that they're limited in their understanding. They would all love God and love each other, and they would all leave each other free. But they may, under that umbrella, they may actually disagree on an interpretation of this passage or that passage, mm. but it would not divide them because they they recognize that they both could be wrong. And so they would have this type of attitude. They might, for their whole lives, be brothers and sisters in Christ and love each other, but disagree on that point and say, I can't wait till we get to heaven. And we ask Jesus, which one of us is right? Oh, and wow. they need to be prepared when they get to heaven and say, Jesus, which one of us is right? They need to be prepared for Jesus to say, well, tell you the truth, you were both wrong. <laughs> there you go. Yes. And, and, yes. And, if, and if you get to heaven— and Jesus says, well, you were really wrong on this point. If the person says, well, no, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to correct you on that. Yeah. Um, th- then you're probably not going to be there. <laughs> not going to be there. Okay. okay. And so okay. that's the issue. It's not that we agree on every point. It's that we have a unity inherent in our faith that we agree on the principles of God, that we love truth and we want to grow in it, and we will move forward as we're persuaded in our own mind. We love God and others. We sacrifice ourselves to help others develop and achieve. And we love the principles of freedom because love only exists in freedom. So we respect others' freedom to disagree with us, but we still love them. 
in this idea of religion, while we have the freedom, and I just talked about freedom, for all of us to choose our own beliefs, and we respect the people's ability to make that choice, that has been warped into a little bit of a lie that's common in society today. And that is because we're all free to believe what we want, it becomes presented that therefore all beliefs are equally valuable. Mm. No, they're not. Objective reality is you're free to believe what you want, but some beliefs are actually harmful or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. It's not equally healthy to believe that cigarette smoking is good for your health than to believe that cigarette smoking harms your health. You're free to believe either way, but those beliefs are not equal. In society, there's lots of beliefs that people are free to have, and we're told, well, that's your truth, that's my truth. No, they've taken the term belief and assigned the word truth, but it's actually not truth. Truth is always healing and restorative, and when we move forward in the truth, we move forward in healthy paths. But what's happened today is people take the freedom to believe, they embrace something unhealthy, they call it a truth, but it's not. And the discerning person discerns the difference between the types of beliefs, what's healthy, what's not healthy. Okay, commonreason.com is the website, and the reason I sigh so at the end of these programs is because what you've given us, Dr. Jennings, is just meat in due season. We need to be thinking about these things, we need to be praying about these things. And listener, there's also a website, commonreason.com, where we can go and we can find other material resources, books and, and sharing tracks and Bible studies and videos to look at, audio programs to listen to. As we continue that journey, that searching that Dr. Jennings is so adamant about, that we be searching, that our hearts be open, that our minds be open to the truth, and that we are motivated by love, that's what the website is about, to help us find the resources to do just that. Comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, as always, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.